I'm Rodney Shoplin with RS Shopper Farms in Lubbock, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton harvest is getting cranked up in West Texas and the Panhandle. Not much is going on right now, but we'll see some serious harvesting coming up in the next two to three weeks. We'll have more on that to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In a year when production is going to be on the very low side, cotton ginners in the Texas High Plains would like to have a quick harvest. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A Farmer First digital platform has been launched that will transform the way farms of all sizes, including here in Texas, can more easily make the transition to sustainable agricultural practices. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. The North American dairy cow is better than ever, according to a new study. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. It has been a disastrous year in the world's largest cotton patch around Lubbock. Practically all of the dryland cotton in that area did not make it this year and a large portion of the irrigated cotton was lost. But Adam Hickson, technical services agronomist for BASF in Lubbock, says the irrigated cotton that did survive is looking good as we near harvest. Those acres that uh, you know were irrigated and uh, they're looking really good. Um, we're we're seeing bowls, you know, filling all the way from the bottom to the top. Uh, we're probably, oh, I would say a couple weeks away from um, some of the early harvest starting to happen. So some harvest aid questions are, are starting to come out but um you know these fall rains that we have been receiving lately uh have been good and so we've got a lot of um a lot of growers that are planting wheat and um you know hoping for a few more rains to keep that wheat going and harvest is just around the corner i feel like we are just starting on, on defoliation I've, I've sprayed a few plots just to kind of see what's what's working out there uh, I think we're two to three weeks away. We've had a pretty warm September, even into uh, October. Um, we have have had a recent cold front come through, and uh, I think that'll start kind of that process, that natural process that cotton um, has when it starts to kind of shut down and um, growers start to think about making those harvest aid applications. But I would say here in the next two to three weeks, um, we're going to start to see some uh, harvest going on. 
Now, harvest has begun on a very limited basis. Plains Cotton Growers reports that Texas Star Co-op Gin and Slayton has ginned some cotton from the Ackerley area, and Adobe Walls Gin in the Panhandle is expected to start ginning this week. Corn harvest is winding down here in Texas, with the most northern parts of the state finishing up in the fields. And as expected, this has been a disappointing year for corn production because of the drought. Yields have been way down, and Wes Beal with Equity Exchange in Spearman says he's seeing a lot of kernel damage. I'm seeing a little bit more damage to some of the corn kernels this year than we have in the past. It's not an excessive thing, but certain fields have had 15-20% damage on kernels to where Normally, we'll see just a random one or two in a harvest, and we're seeing certainly a marked increase in that this year, and I think it's just a result of the summertime weather conditions we had. Beal says corn yields have been all over the place, ranging from the low 100s to over 200 bushels, depending on who got lucky with some summer showers. Cotton gins in the Southern Plains and the Panhandle will be ginning a much lighter crop this year thanks to the disastrous drought. James Hunt tells us the gens that are operating want to move quickly when the time is right. In yesterday's report, Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers advised area farmers if they have any cotton to harvest, it's generally wise to do it as early as possible. That way you don't risk leaving open bowls exposed to the elements for too long. But Brown also says local cotton gens want to avoid a staggered harvest. What jenners are very concerned about this year is that there might be two waves of cotton that comes into the gin yard. You might see cotton in some places that is terminated early, harvested early, they get it off the stock and get it in, and then there might be a lag until we get that killing freeze in which farmers will go out and get the remainder of that. With such low production out here, our gins need to do everything they can to condense their growing season. And a few more notes. I know that the Jenners would like for this to be known that we certainly need cotton that is harvested early to be harvested with as little leaf as possible remaining on it. And we certainly don't want to pull green cotton. would like for it to be good and dry where it might have the capability of setting in that module for several days before they get enough cotton stacked onto the yard to gin it. Brown also says at this point, very little harvesting has actually been done and concern about drought impact on quality remains. But early results have been encouraging. We got some classing results from just a handful of bales that are just beginning to come through the Lubbock classing office. And for the most part, grades were very acceptable on that. Had good staple length, good micronair. Most of that cotton was good, clean cotton. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. One of the big seed and crop input companies is launching a farmer-first digital platform. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the new technology. My guest today from St. Louis is Leo Bastos. He is head of global commercial ecosystems for Bear Crop Science. And uh, Leo, uh, Bear recently uh, announced the launch of Foreground, that's F-O-R, Ground, which is a farmer-first digital platform that's uh, going to transform the way farms of all sizes across the country, including here in Texas, can more easily make the transition to sustainable agricultural practices. Explain how this uh, program will work and how it will be beneficial for uh, growers. Farmers of all sizes have opportunities to participate in markets to get paid for not how much they produce, but how they produce their crops. Foreground was built to help farmers do three things. 
mainly transition to to sustainable agricultural practices, but you know, tackling the problems that actually farmers face today. One is knowledge. So in the platform in foreground, we have like a section related to knowledge. So we help farmers actually solve some of the issues that they have by sharing some content that we give them as part of the platform. The second one is actually reduce the cost barriers to transition. So we have partner companies offering discounts, rebates on some of the inputs that farmers will need to actually make that transition. And lastly, Bayer is committed to actually develop programs of partner companies that will reward farmers to implement those practices on the ground. So a good example is Bayer Carbon. But another good example that we have is Purdue Farms that we announced a couple of weeks ago that we'll actually work with them to to their network of growers as well. So Leo, talk about uh, some specifics on the potential benefits from transitioning to regenerative agriculture that uh, could improve such things as soil health, uh, reducing water usage, and so forth. Farmers for many years have actually done and implementing these practices. And also academia has investigated those practices. I'm talking about clover crops. I'm talking about nitrogen management. I'm talking about crop rotation. So farmers have implemented and academia has actually done a lot of studies on that. The general benefits they all agree on. It's soil quality, better soils, better crops. That's kind of like the simple analogy to that. Improving on soil texture, improving on soil quality, improving on the microorganisms underneath the soil. It's improving on organic matter and improving on aeration, improving on water retention. So all these things are real benefits that the farmers actually see by implementing those practices. Leo, how do farmers connect with uh, Bayer's foreground digital platform? Great question, Tom. So the first step is actually to go to BayerForeground.com. So Bayer, B-A-Y-E-R, foreground, F-O-R-G-R-O-U-N-D.com. There's a quick sign-up process. I would say less than 60 seconds. Farmers actually can enroll into foreground. And by enrolling into foreground, there's no cost. Actually, they have a benefit right away. They can actually have access to the content that we provide to them, but also the cost reduction opportunities that we have implemented as partner companies in foreground. That is Leo Bastos with Bear Crop Science. I'm Tom Nicoletti on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The North American dairy cow is better than ever. Gary Joyner tells why. Modern U.S. agriculture continues to advance and impress. Another example is the North American dairy cow. These cows produce 6% more milk, consume 4% less feed, and use 13% less land than they did in 2007, according to a new study released recently at the World Dairy Expo. The study is from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, the National Milk Producers Federation, and Dairy Farmers of America. North American dairy cows also produce 8% less emissions and consume 6% less water than they did 14 years ago. That equates to taking 4 million cars off the road and enough water savings to supply New York City for two years. North America is home to only 4% of the world's cows, but produces 15% of its milk, according to the study. Texas ranks fourth among states in milk production. We can thank improved genetics, technology, farm management practices, and other innovations. These advances benefit the cow, dairy farmer, environment, and society. Impressive indeed. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The archery-only mule deer hunting season is underway in parts of Texas now. What does this year's season look like? I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have the forecast coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the word brucellosis can strike fear into the hearts of many old Texas cattlemen. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
October 12th is National Farmers Day, a day dedicated to those who wake before the sun rises and often work until long after it sets. It's only because of farmers' tireless efforts to produce more while using less that we have the food, feed, fiber, and fuel we need here in America, and plenty more for export. And farmers produce all of this sustainably so that future generations have the same bounty. Please join Syngenta in honoring the men and women of agriculture today and every day. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The word brucellosis or bangs can strike fear into the hearts of many old Texas cattlemen. Dr. Bob Judd says it brings back bad memories for veterinarians too. Dr. Hank Hayes has some thoughts on keeping brucellosis out of Texas. Dr. Hayes is the regional director of the Texas Animal Health Commission at Sulphur Springs, and he indicates that the history of brucellosis goes back hundreds of years in the United States and is responsible for significant loss of calves as well as causing disease in humans. Most of the humans infected were people drinking raw milk, dairy farmers, ranchers, and veterinarians. The United States Department of Agriculture and state agencies began the eradication effort of brucellosis in 1934, and the last case in Texas was found in 2009. Livestock market testing of all breeding cattle was a large part of the eradication effort and was stopped in 2012. This was a devastating disease for Texas cattlemen as many herds were quarantined and liquidated due to this infection, and a tremendous amount of money was spent to eradicate this disease. So the concern is keeping the disease out of Texas. Market and slaughter testing is uncommon, so we have no testing to find any infected cattle if the disease was to recur. Because of this, it is very important for cattlemen, dairymen, and veterinarians to be on the lookout for the disease, and the first sign noted would be increased number of abortions in a herd of cattle. Other clinical signs include weak or stillborn calves, increased number of retained placentas, and a decreased milk yield of dairy cattle. Bulls can also be affected and can develop testicular infection or inflammation of other areas of the reproductive tract, reducing fertility. If you see any of these symptoms in your cattle herd, call your veterinarian as the disease will only cause further economic issues. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Archery season for mule deer is now underway in some parts of Texas. Jessica Domel takes a look at what this year's season may look like in today's wildlife report. The archery-only mule deer hunting season is underway now, and Sean Gray, the mule deer and pronghorn program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the drought has impacted mule deer this year. I would say the chances of bagging a mule deer would be probably average, but the Antler production is going to be quite a bit below average just because we didn't have any moisture during antler development time frame. That lack of timely rains and its impact on forages has also impacted the state's mule deer population over the past couple of years. We get lower fawn crops and so the production of the herd goes down. I wouldn't say it's anything historic decline or anything like that. It's just the product of the current drought, but hopefully we're going out of that. The average mule deer fawn crop in the Trans-Pecos and Panhandle is 30 to 35 percent. Gray says that's enough to maintain the mule deer population and maybe grow it a bit. But lately there have been more losses in adults and a lower fawn crop, which has led to the population decline. Both populations have natural ups and downs. It's just we don't want a rocketed 
downward trend. But Gray says he's hopeful because recent rains have helped to improve conditions in the mule deer's range. Body weights are expected to be good this season. The archery-only mule deer hunting season in 59 counties runs through November 4th. The general season in the Panhandle opens up November 19th. In the Trans-Pecos, it opens November 25th. Hunters should check the Outdoor Annual app or OutdoorAnnual.com for all of this year's mule deer hunting regulations. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Tuesday's trade was just the opposite of Monday's. We were sharply higher on the cattle market while the grain markets dropped sharply lower. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The grain markets dropped lower Tuesday. That caused the cattle markets to climb higher. We finished higher with triple-digit gains in both live and feeder cattle Tuesday. October live cattle up $1.10, $145.80. December up $1.57, $148.57. While February live cattle were up $1.12, 15187. October feeder cattle up 297, 17507. November feeders up 332 at 17620. January feeder cattle up 245, 17672. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. Here in the south, we're seeing asking prices from the feedlots at 146. Boxed beef prices mixed Tuesday. Choice up 204 at 246.67. Select down 71 cents to 13.11. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We're on the line with Rodney Butler, Beeville Livestock. They sell them over Friday. Rodney, how was this last Friday sale? I say that old market from the week before, those steers were probably off all 75 to uh, $100 bill. Walk the pins with us, please. All right. We had ended up with 360 head of cattle and nine goats sheep. That old market was sure enough softer than the weeks before. We had some strong markets, but we had some good cattle, so that that, hit, that kept the market pretty strong and steady this week. Two to 300 pound steers, $1.20 to $1.90. Heifers, $1.20 to $1.63. 300, 400 pound steers, $1.27 to $1.80. Heifers, $1.18 to $1.37. 400, 500 pound steers, $1.30 to $1.59. Heifers, $1.29 to $1.53. 500, 600 pound steers, $1.31 to $1.41. Heifers, $1.30 to $1.60. 600, 700 pound steers, $1.29 to $1.37. Heifers, $1.25 to $1.50. And your 700, 800 pound steers, $1.25 to $1.29. And heifers were $1.24 
four to a dollar thirty four. Packer cows were a little softer and bulls were too. Thirty to seventy thirty to seventy two cents on Packer cows, seventy nine to ninety five on bulls, and our young stocker cows were sixty nine to eighty one. And we didn't have any bred cows or pairs this last week, sir. Are you aware of anything for this next Thursday? Yes, Friday? sir. I, yes, sir. I am. I got sixty five good black uh, steers and heifers coming. They'll be cut steers. They're going to be probably weighing that anywhere from four fifty to five fifty, and they're going to be good. Then I'm going to have a set of Beefmaster cross steers, steers and heifers mix. They will be bull calves, and they're probably going to be weighing that seven seven and a half on them. The lower end, five five fifty. But we're going to have good sale uh, Friday. Hopefully, we'll have some good buyers and. The market will stay like it has been. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, Young, reach me there at Sale Barn at 361-358-1727. You can call me on my mobile, 645-5002, sir. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower Tuesday. October hogs down 72 cents, 93.02. December hogs down 7 Seventy-nine fifty-two. Class three milk was lower. October milk down thirteen cents, twenty-one seventy-nine a hundred weight. November milk down thirty-three at twenty-one oh seven a hundred. The cotton market flip-flopped on both sides of the market on Tuesday as traders positioned themselves ahead of USDA supply and demand reports. Analysts estimating the guess for U.S. cotton production will come in at thirteen point three four million bales. That's lower than September's number of 13.83 million. We close with December cotton up 63 points, 88.86. March cotton up 65 at 87.31. Volatility continues in the grain trade. Monday we were sharply higher, Tuesday sharply lower. Then giving back much of Monday's gains as the situation between Russia and Ukraine continues to have the market very jittery. We close with December corn down five and a quarter, six ninety-three a bushel. March corn down five and a half, seven dollars and a quarter penny. Big drop on wheat. December Kansas City wheat down thirty-three and a half at nine ninety and three quarters. December Chicago wheat down thirty-seven, nine oh one a bushel. In the energy markets, November natural gas was up fourteen cents, six fifty-eight. November crude oil down two sixty-nine, eighty-eight forty-four a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 36 points, 29,239. The Nasdaq down 115 at 10,426. The S&P down 23 at 3,588. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.